Well, we uh, continue this series, week two, in uh, Prayer That Works. I want to begin with uh, the story of how uh, the organ in a large church broke down one Sunday morning, just before the Sunday services were about to begin. Uh, Thankfully, a member of the congregation happened to be an organ repairman, and so he um, immediately got to work on the organ, and he quickly found that it was a simple electrical fault. Uh, When he finally got it fixed, it was about uh, the middle of the sermon, and so he quietly passed a note to the organist, which read, after prayer, the power will be on. Well, I reckon that would be a good title for this series that we're talking about. Uh, After prayer, uh, the power will be on. Uh, The organ repairman said more than he realised. Samuel Chadwick was a a great evangelist and he says this, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. After prayer, the power will be on. Uh, There was a Welsh woman who lived in a remote uh, valley in Wales who went to a great deal of trouble and expense to actually have electrical power installed in her home. But after a couple of months, the electric company realised that she didn't seem to be using very much electricity at all, so they sent someone out to see if there was a problem. When he got there, he knocked on the door and he said, we've just checked your meter and it looks like you're not using your electricity. So we just wanted to see if there was a problem. She said, oh no, there's no problem. We just turn the lights on at night so we can light our lamps and then we turn them off again. This woman had the power and the potential of electricity, but why did she not work it to its full potential. She'd heard about electricity, she'd gone to all the trouble to have it installed in her home, she even knew how to use electricity, but she didn't understand the potential of electricity and so she used it sparingly. How many of us use prayer in the same way? We believe in prayer, we hear testimonies of answered prayer. We read about testimonies of answered prayer in the scriptures. We know we're able to pray, but we use the power of prayer sparingly. Samuel Chadwick suggested that it takes us long to learn that prayer is more important than organization, more powerful than armies, more influential than wealth, and mightier than all learning. In other words, after prayer, the power will be on. Well, the prophet Daniel knew the power of prayer. He fully understood it. He prayed three times a day. He prayed in his room. He prayed when he was in the lion's den. He, as a uh, man high up in a secular Babylonian hostile Christian environment, 
having a secular job. He prayed constantly as a, as a manager, as a senior executive in, the, in Babylon. He prayed constantly for wisdom and guidance for how to do his job in that context. He prayed for forgiveness for his people who had sinned against God and therefore they'd been carried off into exile. And he prayed that his people would be released from captivity in Babylon and brought back home into Israel. Daniel was a man of prayer. And in the story today, we see him tell us how he prayed for 21 days straight. He prayed because he was grieved by the situation of his people back in Israel. In the first year of King Cyrus, he had let them back into, uh, into Israel to rebuild. And they started to rebuild, but they came up against all this opposition. Uh, and the, the, the progress of the kingdom of God had slowed down and they were experiencing opposition. And so he grieved and he mourned and he fasted for the state of the church and its lack of progress. D.L. Moody, the evangelist, once said, but too often we knock at mercy's door and then run away instead of waiting for an entrance or an answer. Daniel didn't do that. He prayed for 21 days. And so today we're talking about the power of persistent prayer. Can you remember how long it took for the police to find Cleo? 18 days it took. She was lost, she was stolen, she was taken captive. The police commissioner said, we don't always get these sort of outcomes and we were very, very concerned that we didn't lose hope. And Jesus tells a story in Luke 18 to his disciples because he was very, very concerned that his disciples would always pray and not lose heart. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the whole world has been taken captive by the evil one. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. But Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captives free. In Mark he says, I have come to seek and save the lost. And then he's given those to whom he's saved a mandate to go on a search and rescue mission to seek and save people who are lost, who have been taken captive by the evil one. And in our passage today, the Lord Jesus says that he's very, very concerned that we always pray and do not lose heart. He wants us to take up the power of prayer persistently. I've been praying for one of my neighbours for several years now. I've been pointing him to Jesus. I've been praying persistently, but it looks like nothing's happening. I'll be honest. We've been praying for our local schools for many years now. For the kingdom of God to come and for the name of Jesus to, to spread and to go out. But often it looks like nothing's happening. What I want you to see in the story today, in Daniel chapter 10 as we go through it, and I hope you'll keep that in front of you, page 727, is that when we pray, though we pray from a position of weakness... Powerful forces are unleashed to push back the hordes of hell and to usher in the kingdom of God. That's what we see in the story today. If you'd like, we get a look behind the curtain, behind the scenes, to see what's actually happening at a cosmic spiritual level when we pray. And I said, even though we pray from a position of weakness, 
But it might be better to say, especially when we pray from a position of weakness, because there's a consistent theme in our readings today. If you look at Daniel in this story, when he sees the might and the power of what he's up against, in verse 8, it says, My strength left me, and my complexion grew deathly pale, and I retained no strength. And then in the parable of the persistent widow, is a widow a person of prestige and power in that society? No, she's a woman, she's a widow, she's got no one to look after him, and she comes from her position of weakness, and that's when she gets her answer. Our church increasingly is in a position of weakness in our culture. We're not in a position of cultural power. And so how much more appropriate for us to learn the power of of prayer, unlike the church in the wealthy suburb of Laodicea who said, I am rich and I don't need anything. No, we see this people learning the power of prayer, not despite weakness, but because of their weakness. And powerful forces are unleashed through prayer. Look at verse 10, if you will, at Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. We see that an angel comes to Daniel and says, Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. The angel says something similar if you look in chapter 9, verse 23. The angel says to Daniel, At the beginning of your prayers... An answer went out, and I have come to give it to you, for you are greatly beloved. Other translations say, you are a great treasure to God, or you are highly esteemed. Just like that woman who had depression. You are highly esteemed. You may think you're worthless, but you are highly esteemed. God says it to him three times, chapter 9, verse 23, then again in chapter 10, verse 11, and then something like again in verse chapter 10, verse 18. You are highly esteemed. And I hope you've learned from last Sunday that you are highly esteemed if you're in Christ, like the tax collector was highly esteemed as opposed to the Pharisee, because Jesus says those who humble themselves will be highly esteemed. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Not because of anything in you, though you are precious and made in the image of God, but because of the gift of his righteousness that he's given to you in Christ. And so exalted is Daniel and so exalted are we that when we pray, angels are unleashed to fight on our behalf. That's what we see in this story. This isn't just Daniel. This is all who are in Christ. You can underline, not your pew Bibles, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Angels serve those, not just Daniel, but those who will inherit salvation. That's why in Ephesians 6 the Apostle Paul says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When Daniel prays, there's a spiritual battle at work and angels are unleashed to bring in the kingdom of God and to push back the hordes of hell. Not only is an angel of heaven unleashed to fight on behalf of Daniel, but um, this language uh, of the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece is actually referring to angelic beings. 
in those areas. Uh, And in verse 13, we see the angel says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me, this is the angel, for 21 days. There's a spiritual battle being unleashed behind the scenes. And as we pray, we unleash the power of heaven in that battle. Which is why the most powerful weapon, I think, that um, the Apostle Paul gives us in Ephesians 6, when he goes through the armour of God, I've had a realisation recently that there's not just one weapon that he gives us, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. No, he finishes by giving us a sec, telling us what the second weapon is. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's in chapter Ephesians 6, verse 18. In the context of spiritual warfare, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so the reason that Jesus says in Luke 18 that he wants us to always pray and not lose heart is not because he's hard of hearing, it's not because he needs to be pestered in order to give answers, and it's not because he doesn't want to answer our prayers. No, the reason the Lord Jesus commands us to pray and to always always pray and never give up is because after prayer, the power will be on. It unleashes the power of heaven every time we pray. Sidlow Baxter once wrote, people may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments and despise our persons, but they're helpless against our prayers. I do want you to notice in this passage and in Ephesians 6 that I've um, referred to that this image of a struggle of spiritual warfare so that in Colossians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you. This is not relaxation. This is not uh, some kind of meditative relaxation. No, this is warfare. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. And Daniel the same There's a spiritual battle going on and there's wrestling involved. And you know what that means? And by the way, there are lots of different types of prayer. So I I don't want to speak comprehensively, but what we see here in this story is that prayer is not a passive afterthought, but prayer is an aggressive and active ministry. Do you think the, the widow in the story... Is just like, ah, whatever. It's okay, just relax. No, she comes back to the unjust judge again and again and again. Give me justice. I have no more recourse to an answer but you. And so she persists actively and aggressively. We've heard that today is the international day of prayer for the persecuted church. And we see in Daniel 10 that behind the persecution is spiritual warfare and the weapon that God has given us in that is prayer on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ. The founder of Open Doors, one of the main organisations that helps and serves persecuted Christians, is called Brother Andrew. Gary mentioned it in our prayers this morning. He says, Brother Andrew, who founded this organisation, says, if we understood the potential power of our prayers, we would be on our knees a hundred times a day asking God for things that would turn the world upside down if we knew the potential power of prayer. Talking to one man about his prayers, he said, when I pray, 
I push. When everything seems to go wrong, I push. When the job gets me down, I push. When money is tight, I push. When people just don't get it, I push. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. I push. That's what Jesus is saying. Always pray and never give up. I wish I could tell you more stories of people pushing at St. Philip's and seeing answers to prayer, but I'd, I'd be breaking confidence uh, and you'd know who I was talking about, which is why we've got the open mic. But can I just say it's wonderfully encouraging to be in on the act of what God is doing, to be praying and then to be watching and waiting to see his hand at work until he answers. So if you got this card last week or you weren't here last week, we've given you this prayer card. It's up on the back table if you haven't got one or you've lost yours to write down your prayer requests, to put a date on them. And please, don't just pray once or twice. Push. Pray until something happens. Is there something you'd love to see for St. Phillips? Don't pray once or twice. Pray until something happens. Are there people that you want to see saved in your family or colleagues? Don't pray once or twice. Pray until something happens. Can you imagine what God wants for the community of Cottesloe, for the council, for the schools? Don't pray once or twice. Pray until something happens. Because when you do, you unleash the power of heaven. We forget that there's a spiritual battle to push back the hordes of hell and to usher in the kingdom of God. The power of darkness in people's lives, our young people. There's so much gold in the musing by Peter Adam on the pew sheet today, not least of which is that uh, he sent it to me on the first day of this series on prayer. And so I kick off a series on, uh, you know, a praying church, asking the Lord to confirm that this is the right step to take. And then in my inbox when I get home from church is a musing from Peter Adam, the principal of my former college, saying, here's what a praying church looks like. Can I urge you to look at it and to go over it? And to pray over it because it's wonderfully encouraging. But one thing that really struck me is the second last one on the musing there where he says a praying church prays with long-term, sorry, the third last one, prays with long-term gospel goals for its local communities and prays long-term for God to achieve those long-term goals. Do you note any repetition in that statement? Long-term gospel goals and prays long-term to achieve those long-term gospel goals. I think he got it from Luke 18. Jesus wants his disciples to always pray and to not lose heart. So what are our long-term gospel goals for the local community? What are our long-term gospel goals for the local schools for the council, for the foreshore, for our young people, the teenagers, for the youth. May God, by his spirit, implant those in our hearts and give us the spirit that he's talking about in Luke 18, that we always pray and never give up. Friends, our God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. We're just a tiny blip here. 
But he has long-term gospel goals for here. It's no mistake that he put a church right here in the middle of Cottesloe. At the end of the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, Jesus asks this question. He says, but when the Son of Man returns, that's the Lord Jesus, will he find faith on earth? In other words, will he find his disciples have kept on praying for long-term gospel goals when he returns, or will he find that they've given up? What's he going to find us doing when he gets back? Will we still be praying Watching, waiting, hoping. John Piper points out that faith is the furnace of our lives, but the fuel of faith is the grace of God in our hearts. But the divinely appointed shovel for feeding the burner of faith is prayer. That's the divinely appointed shovel to keep our faith alive. But if you lose heart and lay down the shovel... The fire will go out and you'll grow cold and hard. When the Lord Jesus returns, the test will not be whether you once walked down an aisle or prayed a prayer or made a vow or were baptised. The test will be whether you always prayed and didn't give up. Whether you're still praying. Your kingdom come when he returns. George Mueller was known for his powerful prayer life. He ran a huge ministry to orphans, powerful and expensive ministry, and he never once asked a human for financial assistance. He only ever asked God. His main goal was to show the power of prayer and God's provision. Once while he was on his way to speak in Quebec, on the deck of the ship he informed the captain that he needed to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. It's impossible, the captain said. Do you know how dense this fog is? No, George replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of life. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. He knelt down and he prayed one of the simplest prayers and when he'd finished the captain was about to pray but he put his hand on the captain's shoulder and told him not to pray and said as you do not believe he will answer and as I believe he has there's no need for you to pray about it. The captain looked at George Mueller and George said Captain I've known my Lord for 57 years and there has never been a single day when I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you'll find that the fog has gone. The captain got up, and the fog was indeed gone, and that Saturday afternoon, George Mueller kept his speaking engagement. Brother Andrew, if we understood the potential power of our prayers We would be on our knees a hundred times a day asking God for things that would turn the world upside down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement that you give us through the scriptures, through Daniel, to see that there's more happening than meets the eye. We thank you that there are angels that are ministering spirits that to work 
on our behalf. Give us faith and confidence in this, Lord. And so cause us to pray. Father, in the story of the persistent widow, even from a position of weakness, Lord, you want us to always pray and to not lose heart. And so, Lord, give us prayers that see long-term gospel goals accomplished. Give us that kind of persistence and that kind of faith. Continue to encourage us and to build us up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.